0: The thing that tipped me over to starting my own agency was that became KWP was in the late eighties with the recession we had to have. Mm. I noticed with a lot of our clients, they was their marketing departments were and sales departments were being stripped bare. The, the boards of those days were just, you know, culling marketing salespeople, of cut costs, cutting marketing budgets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the the clients were hurting. I mean, they were – and what was happening, in my opinion, was that the the structure of an advertising agency wasn't changing to meet what was the client. They had to change. Mm. And an advertising agency in those days was presidential in structure and slow Mm. and, and, and so forth.
1: Real People is produced by Square Holes, an agency conducting and publishing customized explorative research on key consumer markets, customers, and population segments. Square Holes also provides associated consulting and support to ignite positive business and social behaviour change. Visit Squareholes.com for more. Radio, hello there. My name is Jason Dunstone, and welcome to Real People where we interview average and not-so-average people, academics, researchers and leading thinkers to help us better understand what real people believe and how they behave. Today, Andrew Killey joins us to tell his story of music, writing and advertising. Andrew is or was the K in KWP, the hugely successful creative agency he initially founded in 1991 with Peter Withey, to rethink the traditional agency model and to put the creatives in more direct contact with clients. Andrew has now exited KWP and consults through Brand A Agency and has and continues to hold numerous board positions. You can follow Andrew on Twitter via KillySA S.A., so K-I-L-L-E-Y-S-A. Andrew shares his story from growing up in Cronulla, playing football and cricket and surfing as one of four boys, and how his band was drawn to Adelaide, South Australia by its reputation as a great live music scene. The move then resulted in a chance junior role in advertising and eventually an opportunity to combine his music and writing talents to create a successful jingle. We discuss what makes a good agency and a good client, Building on Andrew's time at the likes of George Patterson, Cleminger and BBDO in Australia and the US, and how relationships are critical to strong and trusted client-agency relationships and the powerful ideas this can create. A fascinating discussion, looking back and reflecting on the fundamentals that never change and the opportunities moving forward. Let's not waste a moment. On with the show. Hit it! What i'm talking about wait okay now from the beginning thanks so much for for joining me or us today andrew i'm going to start this right back at the beginning like i do with all of these interviews yep what were you like as a young boy um i was uh, actually like most I, I grew up
0: in the uh, crinola the southern shire of new south wales So, you played a lot of football, you went surfing, you played cricket. I'm one of four boys in the family. Uh, it was a typical sort of post-war, post-second world war family, housing commission, housing trust home, uh, neighborhood full of migrants that had sort of come from Italy, uh, Greece, uh, Poland, Holland, and that everyone had escaped. Yeah. You okay. know, and they'd come there. And, they, and uh, my mum and dad were, uh, we were the token third generation Australians
1: there. Um, <laughs> how but, big was your family? What, eh? how, how many, did you have any siblings? Or, oh, yeah,
0: four, there were four boys. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm number two. But the, the area was very much, uh, every everyone was unified in one thing everyone was poor. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know we were poor, but um, that's the way it was.
1: Uh, and what does it uh, mean to like when you say we, we you're all unified uh, to being poor what, is, what does it mean to be poor when you reflect back
0: uh, well I, it didn't it doesn't mean anything actually I, I mean it actually meant uh, I think it you asked me what, what was I like kid it, it actually made you develop your sense of adventure and your sense of creativity and your sense of escape and your sense of learning because we all read we read a lot of books we listened to a lot of radio serials because TV, hadn't started in those days, if you were lucky you went got to go to the Saturday movies and see the... So um, imagination was a big part of your life and so it, it wasn't financially based. It was just, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm re- reflecting on it now that if there's one thing we didn't have in those days, we didn't have money. Hmm. But it didn't matter because no one else did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 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 So if you, say, if you took a put a, I guess a point in, in, in time there, and then you kind of sort of build a few steps to where you are. Oh, so let's, let's yeah. say sort of you're, you're, let's say to getting to launching KWP. But what what are some of the critical steps in your career that got you to before you launched KWP?
0: Oh well, to getting into advertising in the yeah. first place, and I mean that was purely by luck, as it happened. I've got actually, actually I can thank the Vietnam War for that because I got my start as a junior in an uh, advertising agency because the other junior got called up, and uh, so uh, they were looking for another junior, and I got yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, so that's... So that's did you
1: sort of... Did you, were you... Like in high school, did like No, no, I didn't know what advertising was.
0: Yeah. I, I had uh, no sense of it, and, um, you know, I, I really didn't know what it meant. Um, it was one of those things you develop and you go on and something happens and something else happens, and one day you end up and you're, you're working... As a junior in what was education. your first
1: job out of school?
0: Well, my first job out of school, I was in a seminary. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a seminary for a, a little while and um, and uh, I, I stuck that out for about a year and a half. And yeah. When well, I say stuck it out, it was very enjoyable. But I figured out in a year and a half I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And my other passion in those days uh, was music and I was in... Got back into bands when I got out of the seminary, and then we started travelling as a band. Yeah, uh, the group uh, group of young blokes from New South Wales, and we ended up in Adelaide. Yeah, and what did then, you
1: play in the band, or what did you?
0: Do? Uh, I played. I played a bit of bass, and I sang a bit, and uh, lifted the amps like everyone else did, and yeah. packed the cars and unpacked the cars. So no travelled ro- around. No roadies in those days. Yeah. So you travelled <laughs> everywhere. Is there? well? We did. We we we, we from. We did a lot of work in New South Wales in the early days and then we I had a brother who was working at a radio station here in Adelaide, he's a journalist, and he said, why don't you come down to Adelaide? There's is great music scene down here. He said, you might get a few gigs. So, boys, we packed up the, the Holdens and we, we put all the amps and the PA system in and we drove down and uh, we got going. So that's how I came to Adelaide. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And one by one, those guys... Uh, Because we're all young and some had got it dropped out of uni and dropped out of jobs and that in those days you could get a job anytime, anywhere, doing anything and you could get into uni easy, far easier in those days. And one by one they started going back to Adelaide because uh, back to Sydney. I'm sorry. Um, because they, they could sort of see, you know, we'd had fun and all that. It was like a gap year, Mm -hmm. you know, um, gap year with instruments sort of thing. And um, one by one, they started going back. And I, I stuck around in Adelaide because my brother was here. And then he eventually went back to Sydney. And before, and I was, uh, I was basically labouring and doing, you know, that, those sort of jobs. And he said to me one day, he said, You know, you've got to, you've got to get a job.
1: <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> you so you were a museo and you were labouring to pay, is
0: that? Well, when you are a museo in those days, you always had to have another yeah. job. And um unless you were the Twilights. uh and so we um uh he uh he introduced me to a guy who was his boss at um five A D yeah. great man who's not with us anymore, name of Jim Sutton, and Jim took me out and he said, Well son, what do you like doing? And you know, what are you good at? And I said, Oh, I like music. Uh and he said, well, what else, what, are, what were you good at? I said, I'm, I'm pretty good in English and I love writing. And what have you written? And I said, oh, a few things, poems and a few bits and pieces. And he said, oh, and he said, I reckon you should get into advertising. And I went, what's advertising? And he, he was the client of the agency uh, who had the young guy got called up. Yeah, okay. And he said to me, he said, look, I, I think that I might be able to get you an interview uh, with our my agency. Uh, and I said, yeah, what, what, what's an agency? And he explained what they did, and I said, oh, yeah, that'll be good. So I went for an interview, and I think he might have helped, helped me, by the way. I, I can't see why anyone would have hired me. And um, I got the job there. Yeah, okay. Started off a junior, and in those days, you start off as a junior literally Uh, getting, filling the boss's boot full of booze, getting the lunches, and then you worked your way through the departments.
1: So, how did you, in those days, how did you go up the ranks?
0: Well, I started, as as I said, you you started off as a junior, the office junior, you you went and got lunches, and and you did what anyone told you to do, essentially. You ran messages, I used to, you'd ride bikes with ads, And you'd drop them off at clients' places and do all that sort of thing. But I started off in that. It was very very smart. They started you off in the production area. And then they you moved from there and then they put you into the media for a while. And then I assisted an account executive, so I had to, you know, buy a suit and go with him to meetings or heard with meetings. And I'd have to take notes and I'd have to write the conference reports and those sort of things. Um And it became evident that I really wasn't cut out for that part of it. And there was a there was a, a couple of uh, there was a copy chief there, and, uh, and they used to have in those days a copy chief. And he said to me one day, he said, "Look, uh, we're running behind on shit." He said, "Would you write this uh, these radio ads and brochures and things?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, I'll have a go." And I did them, and they were. I, I guess they were sufficiently acceptable and he went and prevailed upon the management. He said they were looking for a new young writer to train and they, he suggested I do that. Mm. And I actually started because I, I really didn't enjoy advertising the other th- parts of it. I could see why you had to do it. But then I got into the, 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 the writing, the creative area and, and that, was, that was assisted by the fact I I was a musician. I could play music and I could write jingles, mm. and
1: you know. Write. And so, did the writing start as a young guy because of the music? Is it was it writing lyrics for songs, no, or was it no, quite separate? No, no, no. It was
0: sort of a concurrent thing because, once again, in those days, you had to do your cadetship. You were given all the live radio ads to write. You have to write uh, brochures. Mm. You weren't given, you know, the glitzy big full-page ads or the. You know, the TV ads or, you know, those sort of things. And neither that you should have been given those. But you were learning a craft and it was fair. And you were, you were sort of supervised by craftsmen. Mm. Uh, and uh, in those days, they had copy to you. And you, you would take your copy to them. You know, you'd write a, a brochure about health, health services or something like that or brooms or something. Uh, Catford. And, You would take it to them, and they'd review it, and they'd go over it with you, and they'd tell you to go and rewrite it, and they'd Mm -hmm. say, "Listen, son, you better get a dictionary and learn how to spell," and all those sort of things. And so uh, that that became quite interesting to me, that part of it. And then, and then, just by chance, I got the the chance to write a bit of music for a a jingle uh, for someone, and um, and it worked pretty well. So that was it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You've got a memory of your first kind of campaign that had a jingle that?
0: Yeah, I can actually. Was it was for um, it was uh, in those days. There was a great brand in South Australia called Amskol, Amskol ice cream, and um, it's, it's a funny story. Well, it's funny to me. <laughs> um, the, uh, the 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 um, it was a, for a, 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 an ice cream. Every 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 summer they come out with new lines that they. would you know, it's something bar, a berry bar, or this bar, and then they'd ditch it the next summer, and they'd have, you know, the next one, next one, and, you know, it'd come up every year. And there was a, there was a bit of music that had been presented to the client, and it had been done by some really, really seriously good session musicians. And the client had rejected it at AMSCOL. And he said, oh, it just sounds a bit old fashioned, and, you know, a bit, you know. And then, um, the boss came up to me and he said, Oh, I hear you playing a band. And I said, Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I was playing in bands again mm-hmm. in Adelaide. I was, and, uh, by then, um, and that's how I met my wife, but that's a, another story. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, uh, he said, well, Would you like to have a go at writing a, a, a jingle for this, this product? And it was called, um, um, a chomp stick. Okay. <laughs> chomp stick. Uh, try and sing that. Uh, anyhow. I did. I went away and I came back the next day and I went into his office, had my guitar and I played the thing. He said, Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. He said, That's good. He said, Well, let's go. And I said, Where are we going? He said, We're going around. And you're going to play it to the client. And I said, Oh, God, don't, you know, please don't do that to me. You know. He said, Oh, you're in a band. You can just pretend, you know. So we went around to Amskull, that was uh, not far from here, actually, the mm. old factory, the Amskull Ice Cream. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, Went into the boss there, he was there, and he was a very severe-looking older gentleman, probably about my age as I am now. And I played it to him, he went, oh, that's that's interesting, Is this good. He said, oh, well, I'm, I'm old. He said, I don't know, is that, is that modern? And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll get some of the girls in the office to come and listen. And I went, oh, God, so here we go. So some of the – I don't know what they did there, but some of these young ladies came in and that – the happy thing for me was that one of the young girls that came in, she used to follow the band I was in, okay, and she loved it, George. Yeah. So that's great. And I, I don't know if it was any good, but it was. So they, they said, "Oh, that's pretty good." And so that that's how I got my first one. So I went, then I got to go and record it, which was yeah. wonderful, into a recording studio. And the success
1: in that did that kind of propel well, you of, into doing well, other opportunities. Yeah. That?
0: Well, it, it became it became a bit of a, a strength for. Uh, for the agency in the end, because they, they, they cleverly, they were a great agency. Mm. They were called Nas Mcnamara, uh,
1: and they were, were They just based in South Australia. Or, no, yeah. NAS
0: NAS stood for National Advertising Services, yeah. and what that was, it was like a, a federation of independents. That and there was Nas Melbourne, Nas Sydney, Nas da, da 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 da. And what they did in those days was they'd service each other's clients locally. So in Melbourne they had, say, Volkswagen and Dulux. So the Adelaide Agency would do their local servicing for them. Yeah, okay. Here, and that sort of thing. So this is before internet and, yeah. you know, things and all that sort of thing. So um, it became a bit of a thing with the agency that um, they had this... Young bloke who could do that sort of stuff, and that was a time, if you remember, or you you don't remember, you're too young. But (laughs) that's that's the time when music and jingles were really coming of age Mm -hmm. in
1: advertising. And uh, And where where do you think? So, like, what was it about a jingle that made them come of age? That became made them, I guess, popular. And
0: I just think because they were, uh, I mean, a, a good jingle really has a really strong emotional link to people. And, uh, I mean, if uh, Alan Johnson from Mojo, you know, come on, Aussie, come on. Uh, Alan Johnson, by the way, came from Adelaide. Yeah, right. You okay. know, that, Yeah. Um, they, they seem to... Jingles, I think, seem to capture that the... an, an emotional connection between a brand and an audience uh, in a way that's joyful and happy and positive... And it doesn't have to be all that deep because I mean advertising is not all that deep. Mm. And instead of instead of sort of saying you know buy our ice cream because it's got four litres more cream in it da 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 da, ice cream is ice cream in that. But if you say you're going to have a great time if you eat our ice cream, you're going to feel like this Mm -hmm. you know da da, and music can help do that. I think I think it's just a terrific thing. I mean. That's why countries have national anthems. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, and yeah.
1: at the time it was, it was I guess for one of a better term, it was like an innovation of going, this is something that we're doing and it's well, yeah. feeling like it's working really well. And- well,
0: it was at a time too in and, and, and the, the early 70s, uh, through the 70s really, music was really important in society and you think of... Radio stations and uh, that were going in those days, and music was Australian music was getting big. There were, we weren't just listening to American Mm -hmm. bands anymore or English bands. We had our own bands, and so music was in pubs. You know, there were fantastic, Mm -hmm. very very good musos. Music became part of the our, just the feeling of Australia. I think so. It made sense, and advertising never really invents anything it reflects what's happening i think it became obvious that you know a good bit of music for um for an advertising uh, product is is not a bad idea
1: yeah okay Mm. and going from that point to yeah to launching an agency of your own yeah like like what what goes on there
0: well i i so I left, when I left, I got retrenched actually um, from there and then I went to, uh, at, at a time, the agency, which was a fantastic advertising They lost about four big big clients right, okay. in about two weeks and yeah. so the youngest go yeah, okay. first. And I went to Melbourne and I got a job at George Patterson Advertising as it was then and they were, they were the biggest advertising agency in Australia at the time. I think they just used to hire people so no one else would get them. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they had all the big clients. They had CUB, they had GMH, they had, you know, Nicholas uh, Laboratories, they had Herald and Weekly Times, they had everything. And so I went there, and that was good for me because they were a very, uh, very structured agency. Uh, everything would be researched. And that. so I'd gone from uh, an advertising background that everything was done by instinct and this is an agency everything was done by numbers and research
1: so it was it you was you see good. those counter positions could Yeah you? well <laughs> it was
0: good good learning though i mean it was i used to get frustrated but then when you actually sat down and thought about it there were some very interesting things and that's when i sort of met some of, i think some of the better uh people in the industry and and i got i got uh an understanding of strategy yeah. Okay. And how, and that, and communication strategy and strategy and marketing strategy. And that, that interested me because it was a bit deeper. And, and it gave you, uh, actually I found it a bit, um, liberating because a lot of, mo- most creative people in their own way are, uh, innate strategists. But if someone's doing the work for you, you don't have to worry about that in a way. Mm-hmm. So that was good. So I spent time there uh my I, my wife was well, I was married by them and i we had a little we had our first daughter then my wife was pretty lonely over there she Adelaide girl and i put it out there there's ever a job back in adelaide and then i got a job at what became Clemenger bbdo as the head writer back here in adelaide and then i became the creative director there and then had a terrific time there, worked with great people. Really thought that the, the Clemenger way, the, the, the family, the Clemenger brothers, uh, their attitude to advertising life was first class.
1: Can, can you explain that a bit more? Like, well, I think Clemenger was,
0: well, they were, they were, group, the, the, so if you had, you had the, 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 where I started, which was a fantastic agency for my age and that highly creative, Seated the pants sort of thing, then you went to the very structured thing of George Patterson and that was sort of the Clemenger. to me had structure but they had freedom uh, and they they were um, uh, they they were very Australian but they weren't they weren 't mawkishly so they weren 't sort mm. of you know get a mate or anything like that they're quite sophisticated. But they were very uh, proud of uh, who they were and what they were, and they just loved advertising. Mm. And so they—that was a good fit for me. And I probably felt genuinely fell in love with advertising at that stage. At that stage of my life,
1: they allowed that. You said freedom, like creative freedom. I'm assuming is that right? Yeah, yeah.
0: but they had structure, and they had. But the, their structures were um, really, I think, the George Patterson structures were based on the Bates sort of thing out of the UK and and, uh, and America and that, and it was very formulaic. and had BBDO; they had structure uh, and they had very good tools and very good things, but they they, you could believe them more because it felt like Australia, you know. Okay. Anyhow, so and then after I'd been there for a while and we built up the the Adelaide office became a very good agent, advertising agency. Uh, worked with some great people there, David Fuller, and a whole lot of other people. Or some of the
1: brands you worked with?
0: Oh, we worked. I'm just trying to think. We had um, we had State Bank when it was when it was good, good bank. We had uh, we had uh, oh, some of the. Just, it's a long time ago. Let me think. Uh, we had <laughs> Safco. We had uh, we had um, uh, Mutual Community that became Booper, We had the gas company. We had uh, Channel 10 that became Channel 7. Uh, we had remarkably good clients and we grew. And uh, we were we noted... we, we uh, SGIC was another one. Um, we eked out a very strong reputation and uh, I think we did some good work and we had some good success and some good clients. Yeah. And then I got asked by... Peter Cleminger in Melbourne, um, to go to New York and work at BBDO for a while. Because BBDO in those days were very impressed with the standard of work being done out of Australia and New Zealand. And I think they were sort of looking to sort of free the, free them up a bit. They were very, very buttoned down in New York in those mm-hmm. days. And, uh, and that, very good, but very buttoned down. And I was lucky enough to arrive at the time when they were going through a a metamorphosis. They were changing everything. And they were doing the great Pepsi ads with Michael Jackson and Ray Charles and uh, the uh, Apple ads, the first Mm -hmm. Apple ads and Visa ads uh, and so forth. And uh, So I spent time there and I was given a group to be creative director with and that was good. And I spent a year or so there and... Then I came back and came back to Clemenger and BBDO and the thing that happened was I guess working in America, there was many things I saw how the Americans worked I admired and there was many things I didn't. Um, And my sense was that the BBDO influence was getting greater in Clemenger
1: and that rang Few alarm bells for me. So becoming less Australian and more American is that? Was that?
0: Well, was that no, not, not necessarily. necessarily. It was. No? It was just a. Maybe it was. A, it was an irrational fear of what might happen. I. Yeah. Okay. You know. Um. But what I, the thing that tipped me over to starting my own agency was that became KWP, was in the late eighties with the recession we had to have. Mm. I noticed with a lot of our clients, they were their marketing departments were and sales departments were being stripped bare. The, the boards of those days were just, you know, culling marketing salespeople, of cut costs, cutting marketing budgets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the clients were hurting. I mean, they were, and it, and what was happening, in my opinion, was that the the structure of an advertising agency wasn't changing to meet what was the client, they had to change. Mm. And an advertising agency in those days was presidential in structure and slow Mm. and and, and so forth. So I put up, and I was on the board of uh, Cleminger BBDO in those days, the national board, and I put up a a concept about a second brand that was more of a flat structure for two reasons. Number one, to... um, uh, be able to um, handle clients who were s- s- suffering that, where and basically the flat structure meant there was no account service. Yeah. Okay. You know, so that uh, uh, and and the creative people had to do the account service with um, with um, uh, assistance, but they were they were front of house. They were doing mm. it. They were talking to the client. They were getting the brief. They're coming back. They're doing the brief. Going back and presenting it, and they are doing it quickly, and they weren't—they weren't didn't have to go through um, through uh, uh, hierarchy. systems hierarchy. Yeah, so we—I um, put that up. The second reason I thought that was a good idea was I thought from from the point of view of handling conflicting accounts, you could go well, uh, even if you're owned by the same bank, that doesn't matter. You've got to have your strategic and creative IP. They can't work on the same bits of business, but you could have two different offerings. And you could pitch for a business. You could sort of say, well, if you want this sort of thing, you've got that, and if you want that sort of thing, you've got this. Mm. The other thing that could be a benefit I saw in it was that if the mothership was in trouble and the client was going to put it out to pitch... Mm. Why not say, will give them a go and see if they, you yeah. know, and then you had another chance of keeping it sort of thing. So I put that up uh, several times at board meetings. It, came as, it comes as no shock that it didn't do too well because I guess most of the, the people I was talking to were actually in account service um, and they, I think some of them thought it was a bit of a personal attack on account service. It wasn't. I was saying, no, you keep your thing. Let's try this as another go. So it went on and on and on and on. I was talking about it and I was to bore my wife with it. And she said, anyway. <laughs> and there was a, a, a trip, we were coming back from Spain where I'd, I'd been at a conference. I was on the plane and I said, I just can't go back. And she said, well, we're going back. And she said, we're on the plane. I said, no, 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 I can't go back to doing that. And she said, well, for God's sake, bloody well, do it, and stop talking about it and get it going. And I said, well, you know, still got kids at school. And she said, just get it done, do it, get it going. And she said, how are you going it? Do you know what it is? And I said, yeah, I know what it is. And she said, well, I said, as soon as I get back, I'm going to ring Peter with you,
1: who was... And you'd worked with Peter,
0: yeah? Oh, previously had, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, and uh, years before I'd given him a job, but uh, Clemager, he'd he'd moved on, he'd been to Melbourne, he'd been to Hong Kong he'd been to a whole of place he was then, at by that stage, he was creative director at Leo Burnett's right, you know. okay. so I got back and I rang him up and I said, mate, uh, time for a lunch went out and I said, can to tell you something, I'm going to start an ag- agency and this and I had on a bit of paper what the structure was going to be it was going to be put the people that have the ideas in front of the people that want the ideas, it's that simple and uh, Philosophy of the company was do good work, have fun, make a fair profit. I said that's it. That's that's the business plan. Mm. And he said, uh, I said I'd like you to be my partner. And and he and I said, you know, I I, I think it would work. And uh, uh, he said, well, I said go 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 and talk to Jane about it, your wife, and have some time to think about it. And he looked at his watch and he said, how long have I got? And I said, go and talk to Jane. He said, uh, sixty seconds. I'll do it. <laughs> and we shook hands, and that, that's how it started. Yeah. And uh,
1: really, I so mean. It started for with Killy Withy. K- K- Killy and Withy,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was Killian Withy advertising. Lynn Punchin, he was still at Clemenger BBDO, he was the art, art director there. And he came, he didn't come to us until a couple of years later because we're both writers and we, our art directional skills were marginal, <laughs> to say the least. So that, that's that's how it started, and we um, and we we had a couple of things that we did. I think at the time were reasonably intelligent. Like uh, agencies in those days, little agencies when they started, they went out and got a real estate agency uh, and a, and a carer, and we said we're not going to do that. We're, we're the last thing we want to do. Not that there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. advertising, but we had really good brand brand experience mm-hmm. and. And Peter had worked on Gillette and he'd worked on, you know, cigarette companies, he'd worked on and, and his, his time in interstate and overseas. And I'd worked on really good brands of that. So we thought there was a market for, during the recession we had to have, there were clients who were looking for intelligent brand advertising, but quickly, and... Uh, People. And our, our 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 bet was that they'd want to work with people with some advertising heritage, and um, it actually came off. And I mean, our first it was quite remarkable. Our first three clients were four clients were co-op building society. Yeah. We had that. That became uh, now is uh, Bendigo bank became Adelaide bank Bendigo bank. We had. Two products out of the then Southwark uh, West End breweries, we got Villies, and we got Southern Cross Homes. Yeah. Uh, and about six months later, we got three three products out of Folding, like Banana beans. Yeah, so, okay. so suddenly we we start, and people are going, "How do they how do they do that?" That sort of thing. And we we, we had we had terrific clients. And um,
1: is that about you? Not is that about rather than saying we we. To say it rightly, but um, we're not here for everybody. But you've been strategic about being proactive and going into organizations. Yeah, yeah. We we,
0: we, we, we had a couple of bits of luck where people knocked on the door and someone knew someone that knew someone, and that, you know, there's there's no doubt about that. But we were very. uh, Co op Building Society was an absolute strategy to get the business, Uh, and we got it. Um, And. same with folding. We got it. It was an absolute strategy. Um, and uh, and we always said we wanted... And then we got... The the, the big luck for us was we got a brand. We, we resigned, <laughs> arrogantly. But no, not arrogantly, rightly. We resigned the bit of the brewery business we had because they were, they were hopeless to work with. They were terrible. And um, we... Because of my past life working at Clemenger's with Coopers, um, they um, they got in touch with us and they had honey in those days, and uh, they had a thing called Leebrook Farms honey, and we did a terrific campaign or two for them, and um, we uh, we got that, and then we heard that the. Uh, Line Nathan, uh, the 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 local brewery was gonna the big brewery Southwark, were gonna be sold at West End. SA Brewing, whatever they call. And so we speculated uh, a campaign that sort of said, if it if this happens, here's a campaign you could run. It was and it was just the word few, P-H-E-W, lucky it wasn't mm. our Coopers. And we went and presented a honey campaign and and we said to the marketing guy at the time, a fellow called John Taylor, he said, oh, listen, by the way, we speculated something for the, the sale of the other brewery. Yeah. And he said, oh, he said, uh, he said this is a bit embarrassing. He said, you know, you, you don't have the business. And I said, yeah, I know that. And I said, but we just leave it there for, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. You know? And now there's a new black just started at that time called Glenn Cooper. Yeah. And he was new to the, the business. He got wind of it. We presented to him, and he said, uh, "I'll just park that for the moment and just get a few things ready." Good idea. And he went and went into it. So um, we we found out later that the my previous agency, Clemenger, uh, they had uh, they were asked to come up with a, a campaign. In case they lost uh, the, the 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 big brewery went out of the state, mm. they asked they were asked to do a campaign for Coopers. Um, they didn't really do a great one because, as it turned out, uh, Clemenger nationally had uh, Lion Nathan as a client. Yeah, okay, and they. It was it was a train wreck waiting to happen. So we sort of, I'm very proud of the fact that we we're proactive about it. But it would have moved at some stage, I think, because of yeah. uh, the conflict. But so that th- so we were pretty we were pretty agile and pretty nimble. And we and I think because of our experience, we really picked out things we wanted to do. Mm. I mean, we wanted we wanted always wanted a financial institution because we did we know that they are good clients. They never stopped. You know, they're always doing something. Yeah. We always wanted a brewery. Who doesn't want a brewery? <laughs> we wanted something in tourism and we eventually got that. Um, and we wanted um, something, uh, we wanted Victoria's Secret and we never got that. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> What, reflecting of your time with KWP and yeah. previous? what makes a good client? And you've already sort of touched on that already, but what, if you kind of brought it back to a nutshell, what makes a good Agency client, perfect agency client.
0: Well, I think I think that it's what's the perfect uh, what's the perfect relationship. Um, there's no such as thing as a bad client and a bad a, and a good agency, and there's no such thing as a bad agency and a good client. You usually find that the best work and the best relationships happen because there's a good relationship and a good understanding, and there's there's a respect for each other. And you've got to have, you've got to have the, the, um, the power to stamp your foot every now and again, mm-hmm. whether you're the client or the agency. And that's where you've got to have a relationship. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't go in cold on someone you hardly know and say, you know what, your, you you your taste's up your ass. You know, mm-hmm. in this case, you, you've got to, you've got to become friends and you've got to respect each other's opinion. And, um, the, the great clients I've worked with and, uh, are people like the Coopers, there is no doubt, the Melissa's, Villies, uh, RAA. Um, I'm working with, um, I'm doing work with Hames Paint out of Ballarat, a family mm. business, fantastic people. And there's a great respect there and you can, you can sort of, you've got to listen and you've got to respect what they're saying and understand what, what are, I think, You've got to understand what their business is trying mm-hmm. to do, and you don't. You, that doesn't mean you've got to be a business analyst. You've just got to be business savvy and,
1: um, and listen t- to what their business challenges are. Is that right? Is that so, about listening to their yeah where yeah. they're coming from and yeah, and, and, and
0: li- listening to what they think is important in the business at that moment. Like um, if you're a, if you're not a mega brewer. Right? You've got to have an attitude and a tone of voice, uh, and, um, that makes you stand out. But we're, you've also got to understand we're a family business. Mm -hmm. Right? And you've got to be sensitive to that. You've got to be, you've got to have business savvy to know that we've opened a new brewery and we're still pushing distribution. Mm. We're not, immediately everywhere in those days. Uh, so anything we do, anything you do has got to help support distribution. And the, the, So just knowing those sort of things, understanding those things, rather than going, I've got a great idea for you, you know, based on how smart I am, mm-hmm. doesn't work. And, uh, well, it, it might work sometimes. But then the other thing too is I think... I, one of the things about the KWP structure as it was and what I loved about it was we did a lot of proactive work uh, and, and you'd see something and you'd go, you'd scamp up a thing and you'd, you'd ring the client up and say, have you got 10 minutes? Yeah, I want to come down and show you something. You go down. Now, you'd show them something and it might be um, something to do with... Uh, the crows are playing. We did one, uh, when the crows got into the first grand final mm. and we did a t-shirt uh, yeah. and went down there and says, this weekend we make Victoria bitter. And we got them printed done overnight. Yeah. And that, now that was just an idea that happened. Now I tell you what that there was no brief in that. There was nothing in that, but it came out of understanding we were, we were a, a challenger brand and. We had to there was a big event going on, and if we could do something there to get noticed, that'd be a great thing. And yeah. it was quintessentially yeah. South, South Australia. and those sort of thing. And and that, what, and going back to the question, it's great client. Great clients actually give you permission to do that. Yeah, okay. And they love you having ideas and. You know, and they they don't have to be highly rendered. You
1: you scribble them on the back of a napkin, you know. And they're entrepreneurial and they're willing to give it a crack. Well, the challenger brands are. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, uh, and that's, that's where it is. I mean, if you're working for NAB, Mm. it's probably not that easy. Or if you're working for, you know, a government department, it's not that easy because there's process. I get that. But that's why we were, we, we really went after those, those sort of clients because we knew that suited us and we knew we'd have fun doing it, yeah. and we knew, you know. Yeah. And great. then we got your lumber and terrific client. We did a lot of great... We launched uh, Chance, the bubbly, the sparkling wine from Tasmania. We did, you know, we got RAA, and we did a lot of great stuff. And uh, when I say great stuff, we did a lot of enjoyable stuff that actually worked, and
1: we had fun doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When did when you start working with Cooper, that... Early nineties or was that
0: Well that was the okay. first time. I mean I, I work with them going back to the Clemenger yeah. days, yeah. So that'd be the eighties. The what but, about by the beer side? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: No, 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 that see the Clemenger would be uh, Clemenger had Coopers in oh, the eighties. Okay. Okay? Right, okay. Yeah. And then um, so they they were there for a long time and uh, they so then and then I got to work with them again at um, at KWP. And that was when probably the, the thing that was the hallmark there was that Glenn Cooper was then became the marketing director. Yeah. And so we were like new agency, new marketing yeah. director. And uh, even though I'd worked on the business before, but it was changing. And Tim, Dr. Tim, the, the CEO, uh, managing director, he, he was, there was, there was moves afoot to sort of, uh, change the brewery move because they they, they they were in a position where if they'd stayed at Leebrook, they probably wouldn't. Oh, they definitely not probably. Mm. They wouldn't have been able to make. It. That's They right. wouldn't have been able to grow.
1: Yeah, and my understanding is around that sort of late eighties, nineties was a challenging time. Yeah, for yeah, them as yeah. A, yeah. and then there business, was right?
0: then there was the takeover attempt by Lion Nathan, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but that 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 gave us great uh, creative opportunities. Yeah. I mean, we did some terrific work there, and they are all spontaneous, proactive ideas. I'd say. of them didn't get up because they probably would have ended up in court. But 40% Mm. didn't
1: the late 80s early 90s when I sort of was finishing high school starting uni so Cooper's was a huge brand locally sort of at that time as yeah I yeah certainly sort of um I think I helped support when my mates sort of helped support Cooper's so yeah it certainly changed over the story and I, and it's, and I guess that's sort of where I was coming from with that sort of having a great client you build over those relationships and that trust yeah. and been able to have a bit of fun with it so been able to have those those yeah. clients you can actually play with uh, and, and work through so um so you're um I've got a a different role now. You've got your own sort
0: of yeah. Well, in. I uh, uh, I'm out of KWP, but yep. it was a management buyout, which I'm very happy with. Uh, that the management took it over. We were uh, multinational, wanted to do it, and I I'm glad it stayed in yep. local hands. And that. Um, so n- then I've uh, I've been on different boards and doing different things. But I've got a consultancy now called Brand A, um, A for Andrew. Smart thinking, <laughs> um, but it was interesting how it started because when I was on the South Australian Football Commission and uh, um, and one of the other commissioners was talking to me one day, uh, he had a business and uh, quite a quite a substantial business, and he said after the meeting he said, "Well, can we have a chat?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." So we had a chat. And he said, "Look," he said, "our marketing." Guy put up uh, a marketing plan to the board the other day and it's been knocked back. And he said, I think we've made a mistake. And uh, I said, Oh, really? He said, Yeah. He said, I, you know, I think we did. And he said, Would you mind having a look at the marketing plan? And I said, No, I'd, I'd hate to look at the marketing plan. I said, the Guy's just had his teeth kicked in yeah. by you, Mob. And, um, now you're going to give it to an outsider to look at, and you know I said I wouldn't mind if he wants to talk to me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him, sort of thing. And uh, he said, "Oh, oh okay, okay." <laughs> and uh, so the guy, rang, the marketing guy, rang me up and he said, "Hey, listen, blah blah blah. I heard what you said. I heard what you said." And he said, oh, "Thanks for that." He said, "Would you like to come and talk about the marketing I said, "Yeah, sure." So so he did, and I went through it with him. And it it, it hit me like a bolt out of – I didn't have a name for my company then. Mm. I didn't have a reason. I didn't know what I wanted to do, quite frankly. Uh, I don't have a shed. I don't play golf. And I don't like fishing. Um, So uh, I looked at this marketing plan and I said – and being on other boards, I could see instantly what the trouble was. He, he wrote it like a marketing document, not, not like a document to be presented to a board about marketing. Mm-hmm. And it was all, it was all ass up. It was the wrong, wrong way around. And I said, and there were too many marketing terms in there. And I said, who, who who's on the board? And he told me, well, there was sort of a, a lawyer. There was a, you know, a, a, an accountant. There was a doctor. And you know, it went on and on and on. An engineer, I said, Jesus, you've got the you've got the Quinella there. And uh, I said, you know, here is what you've got to do. You've got to you've got to start with a business case up front. You've got to say, if we the the, the proposal that you are about to see for marketing, if we achieve what we can, we think we can achieve. It will it this it will do this for the company, it will make this much money, it will do whatever the KPIs are. And the investment needed to do that is this. And I said just the first thing is should do, you you move the conversation from cost to investment. That's the first thing. Boards love investment, they hate costs. Yeah. So I went through it all and da 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 da. And we were and but it was actually reading it, it was it was pretty good. Mm. Yeah, it was just it was the language that was wrong, the order was wrong and that, there was a couple of things in there that, you know, I thought were, that I questioned and he said, yeah, you could be right. So he rewrote it and he got it back and he said, come in, would you? So I did. I went and saw it again. And I went through it all and I said, all right, that's terrific. You know, it makes sense to me. And I said, now, the, that there, I said, w- what marketing resources do you have to get to implement this? And he said, you're looking at it. And I said, <laughs> "I said." I said, you are, I said, are you married? And he said, yes. I said, well, you'll be divorced if you're going to, you do this. You're going to, you're going to be spending 24 hours a day doing this. You're not going to do it. Yeah. And you won't do a good job by yourself. I said, why not put in a resource? Doesn't have to be full time, but part time, full time. Because you're going to need arms and legs. That's the first yeah. thing, right? So make that part of the investment. Yeah. And what does that do? It just takes a bit off the, the, no, 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 the end. In fact, it'll probably increase it at the other end if you do it properly.
1: Mm.
0: And he said, oh, you know, they don't like it. And I said, it's investment, investment, investment. Just just remember mm. that. So he did and it went back and um, it, it got got up. And it then struck me, I thought, maybe that's, that's the thing, being a bridge between marketing and boards and boards and marketing. Yeah, okay. Because I understood what happens with boards is when I, and I'm sitting on boards I've been on, one of the reasons I guess I go on them because I'm the marketing Mm -hmm. guy, you know, Um, they just don't understand the language. And not only do they not understand the language, when they don't understand the language, they distrust the language. Ergo, they distrust marketing.
1: Right, okay.
0: So that's the first thing. So on the other end, the marketing people don't know the language to use to get their point of view
1: across. So how to sell it to the board. How how to sell
0: it to the board. And I thought well that, that might be a thing. So I um the next job I got was, as it turned out, a recommendation from the chairman of the first company that got me involved to another company. Yeah, okay. And it was exactly the same. But this this time it was they didn't have any real marketing resource. So they needed someone to sort of put together in first place a marketing plan based on what the business was and what the business was trying to do, but then help them populate to sort of uh, investigate whether it was time for them to give a marketing person, marketing department, what was, and what would that look like, mm. you know, sort of. So that was, that, that was a terrific job too. And um, and then I, what I'd learnt then was I started bringing in so I was there and, and I couldn't do it all anyhow. So I started bringing in people to help me put projects together. So it became like a hub and spoke sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with some terrific people in areas that I'd never worked with. So that that's, that's sort of basically what I'm doing now. And uh, it seems to be more uh, useful in family-owned businesses yeah, okay. that have grown. Um, and that, and um, it's uh, it's it's sort of getting more interesting now with uh, more commercial government departments who are trying to understand how to brief and do things properly in that sort of area. So, yeah, it's 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 uh, interesting,
1: interesting. What would you say over sort of your like you reflecting back now, or even just sort of looking at Hmm. what's occurring um, of what has remained the same about marketing a brand that's been the same for your whole career still remains the same, the fundamentals are still there? Like what a-
0: the idea is everything.
1: Yeah. Can you explain it a bit more? But-
0: well, I mean, I, I don't care what the channels, the media channels are or the to market and things like that, but if there's not an enduring, strong, relevant, interesting idea about a product or a brand or something like that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um and um you know there's I think what's happened at the moment is people have been they've been drinking the Kool-Aid of sort of digital and social media and things like that, but you could got to still have an idea. It's after all, it's just another channel to market. It's it's not the idea itself.
1: An idea that everything kind of falls. Yeah, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of it stimulates. So you have an idea and it's sort of like red nose day. That's an idea. Yeah. Right. Now how you Get that out to the which, whichever customers the customer you need most. That's that's but but th-
1: those channels you can figure those out. So the media's changed, but the idea is still yeah, yeah true, absolutely. Yeah. Idea is king. And so, like, just bringing sort of the, the interview to, towards its, its end. But uh, w- what are your suggestions? We started off as you as a young boy. Um, if you're sort of thinking about the future in terms of suggestions for I don't know, young people coming yeah. into a career, what 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 do you sort of think of the, the priorities in terms of if they want to go into creative creative field or they're they're in, started off in they're in a creative agency? What what are your suggestions? I reckon the the
0: the thing that I would love to have had young people got now is the ability to bring together your own production, your own sort of you can edit, you can do things, you can. You can do what we're doing now. Mm. It's all there. And, and the skills, the skills that you can get now in the, with computers and so forth and so on are, uh, makes you self-contained in many ways, which mm. is good. What that, the downside of that is, uh, a lot of creative people now, and I think in the industry now, are becoming less open to new experiences. And they think everything all the answers are in Google. Uh, you've got to actually got to, you've got to get out and go and visit shops. you've got to go and got to go to the theater. you've got to go and catch a bus and see out people you've got to go and shopping. you got to, you don't do don't do online shopping all your life. go and stand in the supermarket, go and do all those sort of things. So I think that the the good people will uh, in the industry will always be people that understand people yeah, okay. and understand what's going on. Uh, I think the benefits of the, the the new digital age are enormous, but they're also they they are a risk because they tend to isolate people and turn them off, and they tend to just get them looking at the screen, not looking at the world. Mm, and uh, screens are very tricky things; they're very seductive, and they make you lazy. I reckon.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think I, 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 my fear is always that the. You start to measure the success of a campaign based on clicks rather yeah, than people, but, and well, that, <laughs> we dehumanise it.
0: Well, I on, as I say, a couple of boards, and the uh, marketing report I read the other day it, it said uh, our social media were getting this many likes and this many this and then, and I, I, I said, who cares? So what's the strategy? What? How many? How many bums in beds are you getting? How many this that that? How can you tell me that's influencing that? I mean, being liked is nice, but in the end, we're trying to sell stuff, aren't yeah. we? Yeah.
1: And and just you're on the board of Tourism South Australia, is that? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Right. But um, but, but you have, you have uh, been yeah. involved over the years with tourism. And... Oh, I've I've had thirty, forty years. In so 40 40 what, years. what? What? Do you, how do you think you market a place like South Australia? Oh. What's what's just.
0: Just pretty much the way they're doing it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. What, what do you what do you love about South Australia, sort of I, Sydney boy that's now? Oh South well, no, I've spent more of my life here. Yeah.
0: Um, what's not to like about it? I mean, it's, it's got everything. I, I think you know, the just the the culture of the place. I think the 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 opportunity. There's opportunity here. I think the geography of the place. I think the 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 art of the place. The the wine, the food, the, the everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm quite happy not driving two and a half hours a day in traffic. You know, and uh, I, I, I've got a meeting at in ten minutes' time on the other side of town. I know I'm going to be there. Okay, good. So we'll yeah. bring it. We'll bring it. To yeah, that, but then, no. know. But but, but that, and
1: I think that yeah, no, no, that that's mm-hmm. great. And I think I I guess then you can do anything from anywhere. Sort of.
0: Well, I, that's the other thing, and I think one of the comments you make when when. Peter Withy and I started KWP. We said we wanted to be a borderless advertising agency. We lived we were we lived in a we were we were an agency situated in Adelaide. We weren't an Adelaide advertising agency. We were borderless, and so we spent a lot of our time on planes. And we went. Uh, we spent enormous amount of time on planes. And we had clients in Queensland. We had uh, clients in uh, New South Wales and. Victoria. And these days I think the one of the things with the with the, the social media part of it is you can you can be borderless but there's nothing equals going eye to eye with someone like yeah. you and I are talking now. That's right. I mean a Skype's a Skype, that's good, but I can't see everything and you can't see everything and, and, that, and, um, and that and and that and I think Get on a plane every now and then and be borderless. It's the way
1: to do it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And how do people find you on either social media or you've got you got a website for?
0: No, I don't friends. have a website. I have uh, not for brand A. I, I don't. Um,
1: I've. It's uh, a good I, way to find you, so they can find you. Well, I sort of, and,
0: yeah. I sort of, you know, you can Google my name and that, and, and that <coughs> you might see some interesting stuff there. Um, no, I, 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 I don't need it. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of seventy. <laughs> um, I'm not sort of chasing work at the moment, I, but I love doing work. I, I'm, As I said before, I'm, I don't have a shed. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a, my, this is actually my, my hobby, yeah. and I love it. You're on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Yeah?
1: What's, yeah. Your Twitter handle, yeah. eh? What's your Twitter handle, Andrew? What's your Twitter
0: handle? Hashtag killy at, uh, killy at SA.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I find it. Killy at SA, I reckon, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, good on you. Thanks, Andrew. All right, thanks. All the best. Hey, Jason, here to say goodbye. Until next time, please subscribe to Real People via iTunes, your favorite podcast platform. While you are there, please leave a review. If you're interested in receiving our every Friday same time emails on everything human centered, customer focus, entrepreneurialism, and thinking different. Popular articles by me, the Square Holes team, and special guests who have included Professor Barry Bergen, Christy Anthony, and Suet Anantula. Please go to squareholes.com forward slash blog to read and join our email list. You can also follow me, Jason Dunstone, on Twitter or your favourite social media. Thank you for listening. Uru.